0: When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed him and and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse." "'Go in peace and be healed of your disease.'" Now, while he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, "'Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further?' But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, "'Do not fear, only believe.'" He allowed no one to follow him, Except Peter, James, and John, who was the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly ordered them, that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. It had been a long day, and the very last item on my to-do list was to visit a member of the church I was serving who was in the hospital. So I put on my clergy collar and drove over, and it was a good visit. But by the time I finished, it was late and I just wanted to go home. I left the parking lot and pulled over to check my phone and I was reading an email when I heard a a knock on my passenger window. I looked up to see a young woman standing there. She didn't look well. And when I rolled my window down, she asked if I could give her a ride home. She said she had been stranded at the hospital and her place was was just a few minutes away. And I was still wearing this darn collar. (laughs) See, sometimes wearing this feels like a blessing, but other times it feels like a burden and a weight. I did not want to give this woman a ride home, I was tired. I was hungry, I was irritable, I wanted to go home. And here was this unexpected stranger interrupting my day and interfering with my plans and my schedule. But I was wearing this collar, and I felt guilty, and she needed help. And so I said, yes. It turned out that she did not live just a few minutes away. And for about 40 minutes, I drove into one of the most dangerous parts of Philadelphia. And we didn't say much. But eventually, she started to open up. She told me why she was really at the hospital. Why she was scared to go home. What was happening in her life. I tried to help her, but really all I could do was, was listen. And I gave her my number and I told her to call anytime. And I prayed, and then and then she was gone. And as I drove home, I realized that that this encounter, the whole thing, this interruption that had interfered with my schedule and my plans, had actually been the holiest part of my day. The moment when I connected with somebody else most powerfully, when I felt God's presence most clearly, when I was able to share God's grace with another person. That interruption was the most important part of my day, and it only happened because I begrudgingly said yes. Now, if this story sounds familiar to you, It's probably because I shared it almost exactly three years ago when I preached my very first sermon as your pastor. It was a sermon about being interrupted, and now here we are. Can you name any interruptions? Here we are three years later, three years together as pastor and people, three years full of all sorts of interruptions. In our reading this morning, Jesus was interrupted. And this happened all the time, and I guess it's not very surprising. He only had so much time and energy and attention to give, and so people were always trying to get a piece of it, always interrupting him in the hope that he might help them. In this passage, Jesus had just finished sailing back across the Sea of Galilee, and from what I can tell, he's just trying to go home. But as soon as he lands on the shore, he's interrupted by huge crowds of people who surround him. And before he can deal with that, a man named Jairus comes up to him and begs him to come quickly and help his daughter who's dying. And before Jesus can even deal with that, he's interrupted by a woman who's come to him in the hope that she'll be healed. Surely Jesus was tired, weary, Worn out. I mean, just before this, the last thing that had happened was that he'd gotten chased out of a town. But even still, Jesus saw these interruptions. And when he encountered these interruptions, he had compassion. He didn't see a nuisance or a bother. He saw opportunity. Yes, these people and their problems were interruptions but they were holy interruptions. A man begging Jesus to help his little girl. Not just an interruption, an opportunity. An opportunity to show God's love, to reveal God's concern, not just for our spiritual well-being, but to show that God cares about our physical well-being too an opportunity to bring hope and healing to a scared child and her terrified parents, a chance for the world to catch just a glimpse of God's power. A woman reaching out to touch Jesus' robes in the hope that she would be healed from the bleeding that had plagued her for 12 years, that had sent her running from doctor to doctor until she was destitute, that made her ritually unclean and forced her to live away from others as an outcast. The bleeding that meant even touching Jesus' robe would make him unclean, and so she had to do it in secret. But she got caught. She fell at Jesus' feet, shaking with fear waiting for the consequences. And Jesus saw not just an interruption, but an opportunity to show God's mercy, God's love for the outcast and the marginalized, an opportunity to show that God cares about our emotional and social well-being, a chance to give this woman her life back, her relationships back, her, her community, to bring her the kind of emotional and social healing that she truly needed an opportunity for Jesus to proclaim that faith can come from unexpected places and that God is more than willing to reach out to those considered unclean if it means they get to experience love and grace and healing and new life. Not just interruptions, holy interruptions. And they would not have happened if Jesus had just kept walking. If you read through the Gospels, you'll discover that some of the most important conversations Jesus had and some of the most important things Jesus did came about as a result of him being interrupted. He treated them as, as opportunities to love and to serve people and to live out his mission. Rather than getting angry when he was interrupted, upset that his schedule and his plans had been changed, instead, Jesus seemed to realize that interruptions can lead to some of life's most holy and powerful moments if we remain open to them. And that's the hard part, isn't it? We all know what it's like to be interrupted. I mean, think of the last 18 months. Our lives are full of interruptions and times when things don't go the way we planned. It's easy to get frustrated and angry when we're interrupted. But some interruptions offer us opportunities. Some are holy, or at least they can be if we have the eyes to see them and the courage to respond. And to be honest with you, I'm not very good at that. You'd think preaching one sermon three years ago would have fixed all of that for me, but somehow it hasn't. I often overestimate the power of my words. I often forget that interruptions can be holy opportunities. I get so absorbed in my to-do list, my busy schedule, all the tasks that I want to complete that usually I treat interruptions as a nuisance and a frustration. But when I think about these last three years that I've been here at Emmanuel, I realize that some of the most holy moments have come from interruptions. And God has worked through those moments, despite me often being grumpy and begrudging. I think about the times I've been interrupted after worship when I'm exhausted and really want to be doing something else. But how that's led to people opening up. And how amazing it's been to pray with people. I think about the times when people have stopped me just to talk on days when it feels like my to-do list is a mile long. And how so many of those conversations have been holy and allowed me to connect with people and develop deeper relationships and build trust. I think about the phone calls interrupting to tell me that someone's having a crisis or they've been hospitalized, and the way this has led to visits that are sacred. When it feels like God is near, like God is nigh. I think about wanting to go home after a long day but being stopped by a young person in our church so they could share the burden pulling them down and and through God's spirit, that burden was lifted. And I even think about all that we've been through with COVID, the way it interrupted all of my plans for our church. But then I see all the new opportunities to serve and proclaim and love that it has made possible. Holy interruptions. Two years ago, Pope Francis was speaking in the Vatican audience hall. It's this huge room, very ornate, very formal, packed with people. And as he was speaking, a young boy wandered out of his seat and walked right up onto the platform next to the Pope and started pulling on the uniform of the Swiss Guard member standing there, and he was jumping and playing and rolling around. The crowd was shocked, and the Pope was just, he was totally interrupted to the point where he had to stop talking. But when people came up to stop the boy and to take him away, the Pope told them to let him play. He spoke to the boy and his mother, and then he did the most amazing thing. He ignored what he had planned to say, and he set it aside. And then he said to the crowd, this boy cannot speak. He's mute. But he does know how to communicate, how to express himself. And he has something that makes me think. He is free. That makes me think to myself, am I so free before God? When Jesus says we have to be like children, it means we need to have the freedom that a child has before their father. I think this child preaches to us all. Today's gospel reminds us that interruptions can be holy. And instead of thinking that they're distracting us from the important work, we're encouraged to remember that often the interruptions are the important work. The fact that Jesus healed these people was miraculous, but the deeper miracle that shows us who God is and how much God loves us, the deeper miracle is that Jesus cared so much about a young girl he'd never met, a parent full of terror, and something as mundane as a poor, unclean peasant woman that he wouldn't stop until all of them were cared for in the way that they needed. And that he didn't consider them bothersome interruptions of the important work God sent him to do, but rather the fulfillment of that work. And that he remained open to God's holy interruptions all the way to the end, when it seemed like a wooden cross interrupted his mission and his very life. But Jesus embraced the cross as a holy opportunity to bring God's love and salvation and freedom and new life to this world. To us. Listen, I hope I'm not still preaching this same sermon three years from now. (laughs) Though I suspect that I will be. And I hope that you keep interrupting me because it has led to so many holy moments And I need the reminder about what's really important in life. And I hope that you're attentive to the things that interrupt you. Because they may be Jairus. Or they may be the woman. Or they may be Jesus calling. And as I told you three years ago, not knowing what I was getting myself into, I tell you again now that I hope our life together is filled with many holy interruptions. That we have the faith to see them for what they are and the courage to respond. Amen.